Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Hello. And by Chris. Hello. Hello, boy. Hello, gentlemen. Um, it's exciting. It's an exciting week this week. We've got Imola coming up, lots of upgrades, lots of big news to talk about. And Chris is going to take us through the news right now. So what have we got, Chris? Yeah, we sort of touched on this last week, but kind of there's a bit more detail around it now. And that is the Alpine situation. Mm. Uh, so the Alpine CEO, Laurent Rossi, has sort of been taking fire out of the team via French media. Um, and Seems like a good before, idea. Yeah, the, he called their recent performances amateurish, among other things. Um, it also seems like Otmar Safnel, the team principal, seems to be the one bearing the brunt of this pressure. Uh, obviously, they've not had the best start to the season. Their pre-season target was to finish fourth again, but closer to the top three. They're obviously not achieving that right hmm. now, but it is extremely early days. Um, there's obviously also the quite public embarrassment of them losing both Alonso and Piastri in pretty farcical circumstances. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of things that have sort of added up over a period of time rather than just instantly sort of throwing the throwing the toys out of the pram because it, the, the the performance situation isn't quite where they want it to be it's more it almost feels like a bit of built up yeah it almost feels like a bit of both doesn't it like there's been this rumbling under the surface and then maybe if they'd started this season well a lot of that would have gone away but they haven't so mm. it all seems to be kicking off um the interesting backdrop to all of this is that there are rumors circulating of them potentially wanting to sell part or all of that team to a so far unnamed American company. Uh, Laurent Rossi and the Renault CEO, Luca DeMeo, were both in Miami last weekend, um, which, I mean, obviously the bosses being at a Grand Prix is not news in itself, but they don't, they're not bosses who particularly go to every single Grand Prix like some others do. So the fact that they were both there kind of turned a few heads. And obviously, if you're looking to either bring investment in or make a sale, you want the team to be looking at its best, which is not necessarily how they've been recently. Um, yeah, but I, I think like I, I don't think that's going to add any value to the team either, is it? Going out on into, onto French media and calling them all amateurish. That's kind of that's yeah. a good way of sort of knocking a few mil off. <laughs> yeah, well, the only thing I can think of is this: is this him starting the ball rolling to ultimately? make Otmar a bit of a scapegoat for all the problems and oust him and be kind of, look, we're making changes and we're fixing the problems. Mm. Please come and give us your money. Like that's, that's maybe a version of it that. I don't know. I've, it seems strange to me for them to want to offload it and be saying all this stuff about it. I think if you were trying to offload the team, you'd be bigging it up and, and talking about the future of the team and all the resource that, you've invested into it and how and the changes you've made and you'd be focusing maybe yeah. on last year rather than on the current poor performance of 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 the team so yeah, yeah. I, I sort of agree with Stuart. it doesn't sound like the kind of talk you'd do if you're wanting to sell the thing unless you were trying to intentionally drive the price down which as the seller that's usually not the case <laughs> <laughs> um, unless you're buying it from yourself yeah then, 
The, the, genuinely, the only other thing I can think is that maybe if they've got someone in mind to replace Otmar that they want in, and they're so the, trying the to show. like you, like you say, make it maybe make a way of um, just pushing a load of blame to his door and get rid. But he's not been there that long, has he? Really? Yeah. Well, no. there is a scheme of things. There is a former Ferrari team principal who's just yeah. sort of become very available there have been rumors of them talking to him i mean i don't personally i think getting rid of otmar would be a massive mistake i think that guy's done some really amazing work um both there and at force india slash racing points yeah Um, i agree i mean well maybe that's it maybe he was better at doing a lot with a small budget versus Mm. And then again, Alpine don't have the biggest budget. Considering they're a manufacturer team, I don't think they've got the biggest budget in the game by a long stretch. Um, hmm. Yeah, and also Binotto like didn't really do. You know what? What did he really do at Ferrari? Like he, they had an opportunity to be in contention for a championship last season, and under Binotto's watch, they unfortunately squandered what was mm. a really really good race car really early on in the season so i don't think necessarily luke binotto is the solution to alpine's problems mm. i think binotto is a good technical boss he's not necessarily a good team and people boss and is that mm. what they need who's, right now who's main tech at the minute is it pat fry at alpine Mm. I know he's there, but I can't remember what capacity he's in. So I don't know if he's like technical director or... He's not. Matt Harmon is their technical director. Okay. Okay. Um, Pat Um, Fry. Oh, Pat Fry is chief technical officer. Matt Harmon is technical director. So, So, yeah, you're in the right. Broad sweeping question alert. Um, how how do we even feel about Alpine as an F1 team and how do we feel about Renault as a engine supplier in Formula 1 do we care about Renault I guess is the question the same question turned up in Discord recently and they've been I mean they've been around in various guises for years now and mm. I just feel like they're one of those teams that's always talking about what they're going to do in two or three years time and two or three years time never seems to actually happen yeah mm. it does make you wonder like what Renault I mean well Renault are not even technically I suppose they're not Renault are they they're Alpine with a Renault I guess engine. Renault are engine suppliers now aren't they yeah, yeah. they're not really a, a, a manufacturer <laughs> team um <laughs> Sorry, Macheco in the chat. If Nico Hulkenberg was a team, he'd be Renault. And that is pretty accurate. That is a pretty accurate Very assessment. much just, they're there or thereabouts, but they're never really... Journeyman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like Renault like kind of like along for the ride in Formula 1. I'm not necessarily... I feel like the company, when you look at the Mercedes operation and the money that gets pumped into Mercedes, and fair enough, the ownership structure at Mercedes is kind of... I guess a little bit different because you got Toto owns I think thirty three percent of it, then Ineos owns another thirty three, and then Renault, um, AMG uh, sorry, <laughs> AMG Mercedes sorry own um, the the other third of it. So that's kind of like a, a nice split of management structure. No one 
party is necessarily burdened with funding yeah. the entire team. You know, it's kind of split three ways. Although I'm sure Mercedes do pump plenty of cash into it because it's a very good advert for them. Yeah. Or, or it was until about two years ago. Um, yeah. Renault don't seem to have as much skin in the game as what Mercedes do, in a way, as, as a manufacturer. Like, it's not like everyone's going out and buying Renaults based on their F1 performance, you know? It's kind of like maybe that team is there to show that Renault exists and to show that Alpine exists, and that's kind of like their main marketing mm. thing. But yeah. maybe it's doing enough just by being there. They don't necessarily need to be winning races and winning championships every week. It's just kind of like a, a flag to say, hello, yeah. We yeah don't forget us yeah yeah that's I mean, literally the renault f1 team i think for the last however many years is been don't forget us we were here yeah. even, never... even when the renaults were in the red bull like no one was talking about renault engines everyone was just talking except about when they blew up Chris, christian horner was well yeah <laughs> complaining about them yeah <laughs> but to, to be honest i think if if not for luca de Mayo being in charge of renault i think they probably would have left in the last couple of years, but when he came, he's he's only been CEO of Renault for a couple of years now. But he was very much when he came in, sort of talked about as being a a motorsport person who saw the benefit of it and wanted mm-hmm. that to be part of what they do. But how long he's going to be able to keep banging that drum if they're just sort of also runs? Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, and the. They're not supplying anybody other than their own team anymore. No, which yeah, is another, thing, probably another factor. Like, what does that say about what people up and down the grid also think of the engine and the deal yeah. that they that they would have for selling it if mm. nobody else wants to use it? Like, okay, so here's the next <clears> question then: If Renault were to disappear, if if we're saying that they're thinking about selling it what name would you like to see replace Renault in F1? Like it's that old question of what, who's your, who's your uh, non F1 team that you want to become an F1 team or, or, or whatever. I mean, I kind of hope the unnamed Americans they're talking to would be Andretti. Right. Yeah. And as much as the Andretti talk has shifted these days more towards them being a ground up team, if there's an existing team there that's, willing to sell some or all of their entity mm. that's a much easier way in um i do think it'd be a shame to lose the endstone base though it would that be a real shame. that has been something that's kind of been part of that team's dna for a long time no matter yeah. what guys it's had like that obviously goes back to benetton era and like so i mean it's not the end of the world if it moves but i mm. think that kind of that's sort of part of the DNA of the team that maybe the last current the last couple of guises that Renault have put it through has kind of got lost maybe so that is, is that, part of the problem well yeah I was going to say is is would that not be part of the problem that they're they're maybe it's the an infrastructure thing maybe the team doesn't have the resource and the in its facilities to yeah possibly to engineer a, a winning formula one race car you know well don't don't they split Half of the team between Enstone and half of the team in France, if I yeah, remember in rightly. Theory, I believe it is. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the engine side is in France, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. The side and, it, and the race teams in the UK. I'm not like obviously other teams do similar things, but a championship winning team probably isn't a team that's going to be developing two key components of the car into completely different places separately. 
Because even Mercedes... And maybe that shows in Renault. Mercedes engine, engines are in a different location, but it's kind of a short drive away in the same country. It's not like yeah. an overseas I mean, thing. I'm, my, my French geography is not that great. I don't know how far from Calais very is, but so it's probably not that far of a drive from Enstone when you think about it. But It is... It's near Paris, so it's yeah, not... It's pretty yeah. close. A million miles away? Get on a train, mate. It's fine. <laughs> Put an engine on a train, <laughs> yeah. send it across. It's fine. Just buy a second seat and slap a power unit down next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at Red Bull and Red Bull, a lot of their, for their champ, for their 2021 championship winning year, that, you know, all their engine stuff was based in Japan. True. So, but how long did it take them to get there with it being based in Japan? Would is the other side of it. I suppose a lot of the work had already been done before yeah. Red yeah. Bull signed up with exactly um, with honda so yeah so yeah, there's an element of that we're just getting that into a bit of a geography lesson now shall we <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, well i just think that maybe this is where some of the problems actually lie mm. um it was originally coming from a point of it'd be a shame to have the endstone bit disappear but it's more of a general point now i guess of are elements like that not gonna be a problem like mm. Ferrari does everything all in one place. Like Chris says, Mercedes is together. Red Bull is together now. And, and obviously look at the difference that's helped make. Like the, there's something to be said for it all being un, like a under tied the same, up operation. Yeah. yeah, under the same sort of vicinity um, and mm. working in a lot better synergy than yeah. a team yeah. like that. And and there will always be midfield teams that have to do that because they don't have a choice or they were, you know, well, if they rely on an engine. engine supplier, yeah. But a team like that is Renault run, that is essentially a factory team, even if they run under the Alpine name, I would have expected them to be developing things in a little better synergy. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why Red Bull don't use Renault engines anymore, right? And Well, yeah. Yeah. That's probably a big part of the problem here. I think. I think they'd probably the engine maybe isn't quite up to up to the standard that the rest of the engine suppliers are at. I think mm -hmm. historically it was always known for being kind of underpowered, and I think that's probably a big part of their problem. But then, when they've had this, they've obviously had a very very poor start, and I think what it shows is that they probably had an, an okay chassis last season, maybe a re well a really good chassis and some good aero last season, and then by having the worst engine and then suddenly having probably not the best chassis or aero, then it's all just fallen apart. Yeah. So, yeah, difficult times. Um, difficult mm. times for Alpine. Very. Yes. And that's about all that's going on outside of Imola, really. So... Whoa there. What about I'm Nick just... DeVries? And... Daniel Ricciardo, the, the, the vicious rumours that have been circling mm. Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, that, that non-story. <laughs> man goes to Italy, other man's F1 seat is in danger. Yeah, man goes to Italy mm. to do his job. No, 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 man goes to Italy to go to a wedding. Primarily. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Jamie Ricciardo went to a wedding. While he was there, he did a seat fit at AlphaTauri and the internet exploded. But um, Of course. I mean, to to briefly talk about it, even if they did turf out Nick De Vries, who supposedly has been given until Barcelona to turn things around, don't think it'd be Ricardo that stepped in that car. Would Ricardo want to step into that car? 
it's awful. It's maybe yeah. the slowest mm. car on the grid. It is at times. He's not going to show. He's not going to put his best foot forward in that car, is he? No. If if it came to it, I think they'd bring Liam Lawson back from Super Formula. To be honest. Mm. Um, All right. We kind of did this last week as well, didn't we? With the a little bit, yeah. Drivers kind of thing. So let's let's move on. Let's move on to. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you read this. Do you want to have a run at it? <laughs> I, I can go for it. I can do it. It's time for the Formula One Qatar Airways. Grand Premio del Made in Italy e del Emilia Romagna 2023. Rolls right off there the time, doesn't it? There you go. I, well I feel like that's simpler than previous years. I think we've that's, dropped I mean, a sponsor. Pretty, seeing it written down, it's pretty long. So yeah. Formula One, Qatar Airways, Grand Prix of Made in Italy and of Emilia Romagna 2023. <laughs> if, if, if it said and of in English, that would just never get through, would it? Like they'd never no. allow that to happen. So strange. So weird. Yeah, it's Italian, man. It's fine. <laughs> just keep adding more words until there's enough money to pay for <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, as we've discussed, this is going to be the weekend of upgrades. Pretty much every team is expected to bring something along with them. Um, Mm. the ones that have mentioned any kind of detail, Mercedes have very much said that this new development path they've been talking about pretty much since testing, this is going to be the first kind of fruit of that labor. They're bringing new bodywork, new floor and new front suspension at a Mm. minimum which is a yeah. pretty huge update. Um, Alfa Romeo have basically said that they've realized the car doesn't have like any one or two particular weaknesses. It's just a slow car. So they're kind of bringing updates to everything and they're hoping to gain a few tenths. And now Alfa Terry have said they're bringing some stuff for certain. Interestingly, Aston Martin have said they are bringing updates, but they are already thinking about next year's car. They want to start working on next year's car as early as possible, given that it's basically going to be an evolution of these regulations. There's not many huge changes. She's quite bullish from Aston Martin, um, but I think it makes a lot of sense for them and the position they're in. Like, yeah. It kind of already looks like they're going to come second, third at the worst in the championship. Why not start looking at next year already? Um, well, they know they're not going to win it, so yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We already know who's going to win it, so we think. Yeah, Hopefully. We think, I mean, the, the, it's, look, it's so early. It's so it early is, in it's the so game. Early. Like, everyone's going to have egg on their face when a team, when some team, whether it's Ferrari, whether it's Mercedes, whether it's Aston, brings like some random upgrade, and they, or, or when Red Bull are just reeled in suddenly. Yeah, Bottas like, wins this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Uh, what do we reckon then? Do we think we're going to see much of a change in the running order? What particular gaps do you think might close? Mm. I think there'll be a little bit Who of shuffling around in the mid midfield more than anything. I think that that's, that's where there's the most to be gained, isn't there, for either teams mm-hmm. that are not doing well or teams to maybe get a little bit of a jump towards what's at the front, but... So I think that's where you probably see the biggest shuffling around. That's kind of where I'm at as well. Like a tightening of what is already a pretty tight midfield, I think is the most likely outcome. I know where it needs to be in teams like (laughs) Alpha Tauri, for example, um, when it comes to that, because they need to get back on the pace quickly. Mm -hmm. And then obviously at the front, you want to see like Aston and Ferrari actually be able to take it to 
to Red Bull to some degree, but as I've already said, Aston Martin look like they're sort of maybe not too they're sort of happy with just maintaining for now and focusing for next year, which I think could Aston work, Martin will, could not. Will, Aston Martin will have a keen eye on Mercedes this weekend to see yeah. if that's good. I think that's gonna shape some of their development path because if they do if they really do want second or if they'd be if they're happy with third then fine but there is a chance from this upgrade that mercedes will stabilize their platform and bring themselves more into the mix or put themselves potentially Mm. between aston martin and red bull which which you know which which would be entertaining i think the more all the teams can reel in red bull the better because no one wants to see one team run away with it. And if we're being no. completely honest, they probably are going to run away with it for the rest of the season. But it would be nice to see someone sort of nick a few wins off of them. And right now it Definitely. looks like it yeah. might be Aston. Definitely. And if there's, a, if there's another team that can do that, it's probably Mercedes, if they can get in between Aston and Red Bull. Because Aston share rear suspension with Mercedes, right? Yes. Yeah, it's usually yeah. usually buy it when they're in the gearbox. Of course, yeah. And all so the gearbox Merc- stuff is homologated. Homo- 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 I put my teeth back in again. <laughs> uh, homologated, so you can't. They're not. They can't really change any much about the rear suspension yeah. on the gearbox end of things, which means like your geometry is basically set from mm-hmm. day one of the season. So if Merck are bringing new front suspension, yeah, Aston are going to be keeping a very close eye on that. Yeah. It, it almost, again, it's still quite early in the season, but this almost feels make or break for Mercedes, doesn't it? Like if this upgrade doesn't work, are they even going to want to put that much time and energy and money into the rest of the season? Hmm. Well, I think they're going to have to because they need to, they need, they have to develop. They need to give the, they need to be yeah. able to run their car lower to the ground. And the way they, the only way they're going to be able to do that is by, making the car less reactive under the brakes, less reactive through high-speed corners. It needs to be a much more stable, much more comfortable car for the drivers, a lot less peaky. And the only way they do that is by developing, 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 obviously within within the budget, unless you're Red Bull. Then... That's um, catering, Stu. <laughs> then... So yeah, I think they have to. They have to keep going with it until they figure it all out. So even even if the rest of the season turns into like a a, a year long test session for them, they're still going to have to put as much resource into understanding this platform, understanding the aero regulations, understanding mm-hmm. the way the car works with the downforce and, and the dynamics between the suspension and the, the the low running of the car and the underfloor downforce generation. So. Yeah, I think all season you'll see Mercedes throwing more and more and more at this car so they can, because the more they throw at it this year, the more they'll understand for next year. And they've got the resource to do it. And they're only allowed to spend the same amount next year on that car as they are, well, a little bit less next year on that car than they are as they are this year. Mm. It's not like they can just put everything from this year's budget into next year's car, right? Like, are the rules made so that you can do that you can well i mean develop next year instead, you can and then does that come you out can carry what you budget? want forward as much as you want depending yeah. on how the regulations change so there's nothing to stop you doing development now that is prospectively for next year's car yeah. um, well essentially I, like you, you could I would bring say next that, year's car forward i guess yeah i would say that maybe you've probably got to have like actively run it i'm sure that the teams have looked at those kind of loopholes and I would say that there's probably something in there that says if you spent development time and budget on it now, 
it has to run like at least one session, for example, this season. But then you can carry it forward as much as you want, as long as it's in the regulations, surely. You've got yeah. a lot more belief in the FIA's regulation <laughs> ability than I have there. Tom. I mean, it's a dumb regulation. I mean, they're all dumb regulations for the most part, aren't they? But <laughs> it's a pretty dumb regulation if they've not thought of that. And me sat at home in my tiny little office couldn't think of it. <laughs> I suppose... <laughs> like... <laughs> I suppose the hard thing for Mercedes is at some point they need to decide if, because right now they are updating a car concept that hasn't worked really for them for a season and a bit now. And I guess at some point they have to make the decision, can we develop this concept into a winning car or do we need to Mm. completely scrap it? Well, the theory is that they've already done that. They've already completely scrapped that concept because, like, I've got a feeling that we're going to see a very different looking car on. um, I got a feeling we are as well. I could be wrong, but I swear I saw something on the internet that was a picture of it with side pods, and it was something that someone had like regenerated from an F one game. They take one (laughs) of the other cars and put the current livery on it or something. What I would, I feel like it popped up on Reddit and then disappeared. Like, I can't can't find it now. I want it either that or uh, (laughs) fever dreamed it over the weekend. (laughs) <laughs> I would love it if they came back with something on on Friday even more crazy than the Zero Side Pod <laughs> Like, they were just like, oh, well, that didn't work, so let's try this other crazy idea and see if this works kind of thing. Gy- ginormous Side Pods. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Overcorrect. It's just, just literal, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's a Concorde. <laughs> wheeled out of the garage. Um, yeah, so... Look, Mercedes have got a lot riding on this this upgrade, a huge amount riding on this upgrade. Yeah, and I mean the rest of their season and pro- and definitely their development into twenty twenty four. So they need to get their understanding right. I guess like this has been in development for a long time. This has been in the works since well before Bahrain testing. They already knew yeah. that they were yeah. getting what they needed out of the wind tunnel from it. Um. So Toto said that it's like their should have been their start 12 months ago. But even then that puts them like 12 months of development behind their nearest yeah. well their, their theoretical nearest competitors. So huge 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 amount riding on it. They've just got to develop 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 work really really hard on it this season and hopefully when they can do more over the over the winter they'll learn enough throughout the season to get them back in the mix. Cause you, you, and this is not spoken as a particular Mercedes fan. This is just spoken as a formula one fan wanting to see competition at the front. Cause yeah. how good was the 2021 season when they exactly, were, yeah. you know, we, we'd had years and years and years of Mercedes dominating the sport. And then suddenly Red Bull are right in the mix with Max Verstappen. And I think that 2021 season for all of its faults was probably one of the best seasons of formula one in the history of the sport regardless of what you think of how it finished i think the journey that we all went on together from from race one through to to the final race should have been race 23 but i think it was race 22 or 21 i'm not sure but it's a lot of races and it was a lot of fun so i want more of that please so mercedes please make this upgrade work and ferrari (laughs) Upgrade your car, make that work. Everyone be better and compete with compete at the front. Yeah, next storyline. Nice, huh? Next one, move on. Next one. The next, the other sort of 
big thing happening is that this is the first of the tire allocation experiments that we're having this season. Um, so the total number of tire sets per driver has been reduced from 13 to 11. And then Q1 will only be hard tires, Q2 will only be medium tires, and Q3 will only be soft tires. Right. I get I get the want to reduce the tire allocations. It's going to put a big dent in the number of tires that have to be lugged around the world. Like that, yeah. I get that. It's a positive thing. The way they've decided to do it, I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced by this as a change. No. no. It just, you're weird. messing with something that's not broken. We've yeah. said this so many times. Yeah. Mess around with qualifying. Like, it's not broken, so just leave it alone. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, I get yeah, look, it. Makes, the the, the it fear make... I have is what they caused with the sprint shootout thing. That's the fear that I have realistically is that they're going to do something that messing with the tire allocations basically means that every single car ends up on the same dull strategy for a race mm -hmm. because they've messed around too much with the tire allocations. Does, does this mean that they 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 have to do they only have one set per session that they have to run or do they get two set or, 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 no or they get multiple they sets to, they just have to run that specific yeah type of tire, i can run as many yeah, of that set as i've got but yeah, i can only yeah. do that one okay. that, like i think my biggest problem is q1 now won't be which 15 drivers can go the fastest q1 will be which 15 drivers slash seven cars are best at switching on the hard tires like yeah. that's all it's going to be that the mm. hard tires are renowned for being a challenge to switch on some cars have a really hard so you know a lot of time you see cars doing multiple warm-up laps to get tires going in qualifying anyway and that's on the mediums let alone the hards yeah, yeah. but they've got so, they do have more time in q1 to do laps and to they, get the Tire into the window. So Red Bull will probably be all right because we all know Red Bull isn't the reason that they're more or less, you know, it's not much between them and Ferrari in, in quality is because Red Bull struggled to get the tire switched on. Um, it's only in the race when they, you know, once they are switched on that they just, they're untouchable, obviously. But during qualifying, there have been, I mean, they've been beaten a, a number of occasions already in qualifying on merit mm. because simply because that car is kind on its tires yeah and what you lose on saturday you gain on sunday because tire having good tire wear on a formula one car is you know is it, and when your formula one car is that fast anyway underlining all that then it's worth the compromise i think mm. um so it'll be interesting to see how red bull react to it in q1 whether that whether or not they can sort of find some pace from it. I think it probably depends on the conditions as well, a lot of this. Like if if the if it's cool temperatures and they're all trying to get the hard switched on, then we could see some big names suffer in mm -hmm. Q1. Um, and, and that is... I don't mind. I don't mind a mixed up grid, you know? I don't mind because I guess like True. what they're, they're thinking might be, maybe this isn't their thinking, but like a possible result of this is that we get some fast cars much further down the grid than you'd expect them to, to be. I think that's in their, in the back of their mind with I, this. I get that, but it's also like just artificially manipulating it as well. Like, yeah, I see the logic, but I don't like it because like 
if the only way to slow them down is to make them use a hard tire in Q1 so that they therefore struggle when like you it's sort of I mean I guess you've you've got to develop your car to be good on all the tires technically speaking but yeah, that's part of the job that, so that is part of it but it seems unfair to favorably like lean towards teams that are actually good on the hard tire even if it's inadvertent like so a midfield team that might struggle to get to Q2 and it maybe even Q3 are suddenly ending up there just because Q1 is forced onto hard tyres where they are actually better. And that's, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. I mean, we all know that what tends to happen in the race is everyone kind of falls back to roughly the running order anyway, so it'll probably just cause mix-up for the first, like, 20%, 30% of the mm. distance. But yeah. And then it'll settle well, down we'll see. to a, 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 an average. We'll, we'll yeah. get a lull, won't we? We'll get the old lull yeah. that we always get. That's, that's how I see it season. going. I, I think that you'll maybe get one or two people that get a little bit further through because they're sort of favoured a little bit by somebody that's not as good on hard or medium tyres having to use them in, in those scenarios. They'll end up a little bit further in the grid. Like maybe if you get to the top 10 when they normally wouldn't, and then what will happen is that driver will essentially just go backwards through the race because mm. there's no race pace in the car. Do you know I don't want to put a name on a specific one, but <laughs> like I can see that that'll happen to somebody. The What I want to know is how on earth the F1 teams this season are supposed to pick their tyre allocations based on what like what, what these tyres are doing. They seem they, so unpredictable. And Do they and, still pick them? Or... I think they do. I think they do. Yeah, they do specify like how many softs, how many hards, how many um, mediums. They, I, they I know during COVID they changed it to Pirelli just like bought the sets, but I can't remember if they ever actually changed back to them choosing them or not. Huh, maybe someone in the Discord knows. That feels I, like something someone in the Discord would know. When, I, when, I've seen, when I've looked through the list of, of who's got what tyres, then they usually have different people have di- often have different amounts, hmm. different amounts of softs different amounts of media and that's like in recent seasons that's probably as, as, as early as this season yeah they do pick them contra to sarah so <clears throat> yeah i think i, I think, think post post that covid season it was a bit weird yeah. so my question my point here is we'll go back to that back to my original point my point is the 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 the, the circuits we've been to the surfaces that they've been racing on and the and the grip that they've had from the tires has been so kind of mixed up like there's we haven't Mm. really had a normal race at all this season so far Mm -hmm. and i think part of that is probably to do with like these tires i think another part of it is obviously they're they're driving in kind of wild conditions there's like night races dusk races um you know all kinds of like weird conditions that you wouldn't normally expect across a regular season you wouldn't normally expect a formula one car to be at that many different surfaces that quickly that early but i guess like that's just kind of part of the deal these days how on earth can they make these decisions around the tires not knowing you know such limited data on normal running like Mm. it must be really really tough for the strategists to decide how the car is going to react to to work out how the car is going to react to each different compound on a given week oh yeah i mean they're making the decision for them now so it's fine so the basically saying you've got to use these tires, and well, yeah. we're reducing the number that you can pick from anyway. So it pretty but much slots like, the hand, doesn't it? 
this weekend as well, just to confirm with the reduced to 11 sets, they are just giving everybody the same. So everybody gets okay. three sets of hards, four sets of mediums, four sets of softs. Right, okay. So that's kind of like, again, that's going to put certain teams at a disadvantage because there'll be teams yeah, they might among take that more who are going to take more of a certain compound than yeah. another compound. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to hinder their entire race weekend. That's not just, you know, that's not just the race that that affects. That's qualifying. That's every practice run. Certain teams are going to have to be really, really careful with which tire they use. And also, yeah. like, working out the grip level, we might get to sort of the end of Q1, uh, sorry, end of practice one, and people be like, oh, yeah, we really need to, we need to not run a certain tire until we absolutely have to because we feel like our car is going to be better on mm -hmm. this tire. And then they might actually run the tire and turn out not to be. So, it, like, if, if you look at the result of the last race, like the last race, no one really knew what the tires were going to do. And that's kind of, I, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but like everyone who run, who, everyone who ran the, uh, the hard then medium strategy had an amazing, had, had a way, way, way better race than anyone who started on the medium and mm. went to the hard. But, and it was because no one, every, everyone would have run the, the, probably the hard to medium strategy had they known that the track was going to rubber in as much as it did yeah. and that the that the performance was going to be the differential was going to be that much based on that because the medium tire in the second half of the race was so much faster than the medium tire at the first half of the race and when you factor all those kinds of things in again like that they st even now they still have such limited data because that's such a big performance differential they don't know whether or not that's going to happen again at this next race. Like, obviously, it shouldn't because it's a regular racetrack and it gets a lot of running. But you just don't know what these tires are going to do. So it's a really difficult situation for yeah. all the teams to be in with with having these allocations set for them. Yeah, it's like strategy has been pretty limited in terms of choices this season, anyway. I just. I can't see this making much difference. Could it could it be that they've brought in a new rule and not really thought through the consequences of it? Oh, Chris, behave. <laughs> like they do that. Don't be silly. Never. It's Formula Never One. Happened. This is the pinnacle of motorsport we're talking about. Nothing ever goes wrong. And everything's um, always thought about and considered. Yeah, completely. They're very, <laughs> they're very careful about every decision they make. They weigh up every factor. They they simulate things. They run the you know, they have hours and hours and hours of time. To figure this all out, they have these Smartest are the best minds in, in the, the world. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on the list, Red Bull, just fourteen points between the two drivers. Who's who's going to take the advantage this time? Verstappen's got pretty good record at this track. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know what Perez's history is like at Imola. I guess he's not average. Yeah, yeah. What did he do it's there last year? Um, oh, he was, a, he was a one two last year, just yeah. the 16 and a half seconds between them. Just um, that. although Perez is a lot closer to Verstappen this season than he was last year. Um, yeah, <laughs> but checking the chats as it depends on what Leclerc does in Q3, which is a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. He out-qualified in one year, didn't he? Was that last year? No, year before? He out-qualified Max, didn't he, in his first year there? Um, 
I'm sure he did. I might be wrong. I feel like he has he has out-qualified Max there at least once in his time at Red Bull. Yeah, I think he was maybe their first season together. He did. Yeah, I think you're right. But then Max still won the race anyway, so... Yeah, of course he did. Moot. <laughs> and then a final point of interest before we go into predictions, just to spice things up, is that it's currently looking like a very good chance of rain across the whole weekend. Oh. So they might not so, even run the, the hard tyres and qualifiers. That might all become academic. Yeah. How... How ironic would it be if they've done all this organisation of these tyres for qualifying and it just Don't rains all day? Them. I would love that part of it's me just inside. All wets, all weekend. Mm-hmm. So the weather looking out for the fans. I mean, I would rather, I would rather it didn't rain because that means that they can have, they can do their, they can do their little experiment, have done with it, and we can all move on in our lives. Yeah, and that, I mean, that we can all that. decide it's a terrible idea. Yeah, we can we can all just decide what we all already know that this is a rubbish <laughs> idea, and we can get on with having a normal Formula One season, please. Um, hmm, good chance of rain over the weekend. Who's good in the rain? Well, let's do some predictions, and you can answer that question. Let's. Yeah, let's do predictions. Uh, right. So, if you haven't been here before, you can head to back backofthegrid.com and find out what this is all about by registering and joining in. Uh, basically, we're going to predict five things for the race this weekend, and you could join in too, as I say. Uh, and if you get five out of five, you get them all correct. There is a prize to be had, so always worth doing, even if you've not been with us since the start of the season. Um, so yeah, let's go through ours and see how we land this week. Hmm. Um, fastest qualifier who will one hundred percent be on soft tires. There's no doubt on that. Or wets. And or, or intermediates. <laughs> or could be intermediates or maybe wets, actually, yeah, to be fair. Um, but yeah, where we're going, Stu, I'm going to go to you first. This is very difficult, given that it's possible changeable conditions. Um, yeah. I think the safe bet is probably Verstappen. So, no, okay. wait, it's actually not. No, it's oh. not. Um, I'm gonna scratch that. No, it's not. Um, the safe money, I think, for me is probably on Leclerc. Okay. I like all Chris's noises. That means he's definitely yeah. got a thought in mind. Shoot it, Alonso. Ooh. This Can- is gonna we're, get really qualifying in Canada last year. He stuck that dog of an Alpine yeah. on the front row. This is gonna get real interesting real fast because. I've changed my mind due to the weather. And I don't know if it's a wise choice because if the weather doesn't come, I'm screwed. But Hamilton. Oh. I was going to say Perez, but the weather thing's changed my mind. So I'm just, I'm now really, really hoping that it rains. Wow. Well, none of us That's... has ever stopped, so he's guaranteed pole now, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. True. Okay, oh, win. Um, I am going to say Verstappen there because I just. At, at, now, at this moment in time, I just can't look beyond that, unfortunately. But I can hope to be proven wrong. <laughs> this is one of those points where in a weekend where I do it to try and earn a point, but I'm sort of kind of happy if I lose a point here because it just means something interesting's happened. But, yeah. Okay. Which of you wants to go next? Chris, you could go next. Because you went first over oh, last time. going to be really boring. I, I, I do think there's potential for a bit of wet weather chaos. Mm-hmm. Seems quite prone to wet conditions as well. This circuit that would be yeah. The few times that we've True. been to it in modern F one machinery, it's, it's definitely been a lot of wet weather around. 
Yeah. And it's very, it's a highly used track. It's like very rubbered in. Yeah. But, and the walls are like close. It's a Quite proper close. traditional racetrack. Yeah. Come on, Chris. Going to have to rush. Oh, do you know what? Alonso. I've said Alonso is going to get a win in the first sort of third of the season. Okay. Stu, what about you? Um, You know, it'd be really fun. Mm -hmm. If Lance Stroll won it. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Get a win before Alonso. I'm going to do it. Why not? I'm going to do it. I've got barely any points. I'm already out of this. (laughs) (laughs) Go for the It's a long season, Stu. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) We keep saying it. Chris, who do you think first DNF will be? Who's it last year? Oh, of course it was Carlos Sainz last year, wasn't it? Yes. It was Carlos Sainz in most of the opening races <laughs> of the season last year. Yes. Uh, this year it is going to be... It's going to be Esteban Ocon. Don't know okay. why. Alpine yeah, are having can, a rough time right now. Let's just really pile on the misery. Yeah. Still. I'm gonna go De Vries. I think that's a safe, okay. a safe one. Since I've sacrificed the win points, I'm gonna go De Vries. I'm struggling. I'm gonna just pick at random and say Albon. That's just someone that might be in the middle of the pack due to that qualifying session and may end up going backwards. I just want to say that I have nothing against Nick De Vries. I think he's really good. I think he's just <laughs> an absolute dog of a car. That's really, oh, it's really awful. difficult to drive. It isn't a great car at all. Uh, number of finishers. Um, Stu, you can go first on this one. Uh, weather's going to be a factor. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go low, especially low? based on what happened in Australia, where the conditions were basically okay. <laughs> we still had a wild race. I think throw some rain into the mix this early in the season, and we could have some carnage. So I'm going to say 15 finishers. I think there'll be five retirements Ooh. in this race. I was wondering if you would go as low as I was thinking and you went exactly as low as I was thinking. I'm also going to say I nearly 15. went for I nearly went for 14, but I, I just didn't my brain kicked into gear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ever so slightly more optimistic that people could finish at this circuit and I'm going to say 16. So that's me. Um random driver Chris please inform us who that will be random this weekend. Driver this week is Charles Leclerc. Oh. Ooh. Oh, oh, that's perfect. That is absolutely, that is chef's kiss perfect for me. I'm going to put him in first place. I'm going to hedge my bets. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. What about Ferrari you? in Italy. Well, Ferrari in San Marino. It's in Italy. <laughs> it's in Italy. <laughs> uh, well, Leclerc, where's Leclerc going to finish? I'll say... Fourth. I'm so really got, leaning into a chaotic race this week. So we've got a first for Stu, a fourth for Chris. Come oh, on, Tom. I'm going to have to rush you. Sixth. Sixth. I just can't see it. Okay. I can't see it. <laughs> right. Predictions. That is us done on predictions. As I mentioned before, head to backofgrid.com if you want to get involved. There's also some li- links on there to our. Um, Fantasy Leaks, so you can join us on Grid Rival or the official F1 Fantasy as well. So hit those links if you want to join us there. Um, does that bring us around to some inbox, fellas? It does. It does indeed. I'll hit that jingle then. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay out. 
Whoops. Hey, man. Okay, I'll grab the first one. Um, Wesley says, Hey, man. Many teams are expected to bring updates to their cars this weekend. Do you think any of them will be enough to allow them to take the fight to Red Bull, or will it just tighten the battle for second on down? Unfortunately, I don't think it will. There's, there's not really... There's no silver bullets in F1 car development. I, yeah. uh, and, you know, it, it, it's not like Red Bull are going to be standing still either. They're going to be bringing updates as well. Yeah, exactly. So the gap might close a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be much more than that, personally. I would, my heart says that I would like to see the gap close somewhat. I'd like, I would like to see Mercedes leapfrog um, Aston Martin and, and have some pace. But I think really for Mercedes, this weekend is going to be all about getting as much running in as possible, keeping the cars in one piece. And, you know, if it rains, that's, that's a bad situation for Mercedes. I think they really, really need just some normal track time to yeah. get their head around all of these big components that they're putting on the car. Um, I don't think Red Bull are going to bring as much as everyone else, but I could be proved, could be completely wrong because last race they brought a whole new side pod set up. So um, I'd be, I think a lot of Red Bull, based on that, I think a lot of Red Bull's really big upgrades will either have been scheduled and probably not going for this race. I think if you're changing your side pods this early in the season, they're probably not going to bring anything massive, yeah. massive, massive for this one. But um, yeah, um, I think it will tighten the battle for second down maybe a little bit. But again, it's it's going to be a lot about understanding, especially if you're bringing a really, really big upgrade, it's going to be about working out how all those new components all work together and what effect each individual yeah, extrapolating what each individual thing has done to your car to get to get um <laughs> Stu's getting attacked by some wildlife forward yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that's what I think I think like engineers are going to be praying for no rain this weekend <laughs> yeah like especially when they've all brought a new the worst possible thing for them yeah, yeah. learn nothing uh next question from Jose hey compadres why is the incredibly long-named Imola race named as such? And will this circuit be will this be a circuit that fits Checo or Max more? Personally, I think this is a very Alonso circuit, and he'll do very well here. I like mm. your thinking. I yeah, agree that I think it too. is a very Alonso circuit. I wish I'd thought to say Alonso for the. <laughs> um, <laughs> why is the long-named race named as such? Money. Money. Yeah, sponsorship. It's just money. money. It's yeah. Just money. It's just money. And will it be a circuit that fits Checo or Max more? I think probably. I, it's hard to tell this season because Checo's been so good so far. I think I think it does suit Checo better, but Max will probably still beat him. Basically, like not to the degree of like this massively swings the race in Checo's favor. Basically, mm. this is part of those run that. I, I see Checo being able to like really take the fight to max out because they're going to be circuits is strong at. Like this maybe, whole run of sort of street and car park circuits, as I called them last time. It's, maybe the this walls is will be so close in Imola will like trick him into thinking he's on a street track and he'll be good. Exactly, there. exactly. <laughs> and it's possible. narrow. The, like, the you know, track itself like is narrow, thing. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like what are the aspects of street circuits that make them street circuits and what, mm. you know, what, what duality is there between those and... Mm. 
with Imola's circuit. And I think, yeah, that's definitely yeah. one of them. Like, you know, mistakes are very costly for street circuits. Yep. Perez, maybe not so much this season, but certainly in places like Monaco, Perez has been a lot better than, a lot less incident prone than, say, Verstappen has. Verstappen had, yeah. a, had a couple of years where he just couldn't get a lap in at Monaco. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be in. Well, couldn't obviously can get a lap in. He can drive the car around there, but to a, a real, real, you know, top top push lap, yeah. ten tenths lap. I think Verstappen does struggle in in, in those kind of situations because he is just so on the edge. And that's kind of a Verstappen's a lot. I think Verstappen has that little bit more of a, I guess, to a normal person, a bit more. He's a bit more mental, a bit more of a nutter. Like he cares yeah. less about. If he dies, <laughs> he's, de- <laughs> he's definitely more of a risk taker with laps as well. Yeah. Like, was it? Yeah, it was time. last year, wasn't it? In Jeddah, when he tagged the outside of the wall in the final corner, trying to like, yeah, I, maximize the exit. And you do see, I that think from him. you see that from both him and Leclerc, though. Like, think about how many True. times Leclerc's been hit in a wall at like Monaco, Baku, Imola. Like, they've, they've Monaco a both, couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're both quite bad for for that, um, and like. It tends to be the fast chicanes that catch them out because they just mm-hmm. try and take too much speed through it. Like you just have to look at Leclerc specifically, like coming out of the swimming pool, heading up to the castle, the the quick right left at Imola. Like they're all Yeah. They've all got very similar characteristics there, which is a very tight but potentially fast chicane with a wall on the exit. All three of them. And for me, for me, Verstappen's much better in the really high speed stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree there. I, I think it's that. fair to say, like, if you wanted to be, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say it, but I, I think he's got a bit more courage than <laughs> yeah. maybe. What, <laughs> yeah, what that's, that's a nice got. way of putting it. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. So, okay. do, have we answered the question there? I think, I think we have answered. The question. I think we have. I think we have. Yeah. I'll read the next one. Uh, Childish Shadbano, which I think is a reference to what I think it is, but if it Sad, is, it's good. Sadbino, isn't it? Childish Sad- Sadbino. I think it's Sabino with there's a letter no, or two missing. There's vowels missing. I mean, but it's the internet. You never spell it with all the letters. Anything. It's the internet. I want it to be Sad Bono, but <laughs> if Bono. it's a true if it's a true play on words of Gambino, it would be Sad Bino. Who knows? Oh, no, my tires have gone. That's what I think. Tw- it is. Anyway, tweet us, tweet us again and said, tell us the answer. Anyway, after the DRS and push to pass debate, um, I want to know how push to pass would affect qualifying. Would they have a certain amount for the lap or, or would they just get none all, at all? Um, I don't keep up with IndyCar much, so I don't actually know how they do it. Um, that's interesting. More... There was a time when Formula One used to allow them to use their DRS freely across a qualifying yeah. lap. Yeah, and it was terrifying, it was terrifying, and mm-hmm. brilliant at the same time. I remember, time. I, yeah. I wish they'd kept that. There was a time at the Australian Grand Prix, and I think Hulkenberg came around the final corner, opened up the DRS just a moment too soon, end. lost loads of downforce, and therefore lost his rear end. And yeah, yeah, mm. put it at the wall, put it on the on the inside of the exit yeah. of the corner. Like really, really strange accident to see, but it was purely because. He'd opened the DRS too soon, lost those downforce, and lost the. Lead. I remember um, in in the Vettel Red Bull years. I think it was when they had the blown rear diffuser that was so good on the Red Bull, and they were taking turn eight at Istanbul Park with DRS open. Yeah. And every other driver was like, "I don't yeah. know how they're doing it. I wouldn't even dream of opening that. DRS through there." <laughs> uh, to yeah. answer the question, um, more IndyCar educated people than us 
did reply to that tweet to say that they don't use push to pass in qualifying, basically. Um, it's only a race thing. Which yeah. and, and when we had something similar with the Kerr's deployment in Formula 1, obviously not the same thing, but similar, that was you could use it at will whenever you saw fit, but you had a set amount per lap. It was like and seven that applied, seconds a lap, was it? it I think it depended something on the like circuit. That. It depended on the circuit as yeah, to how maybe, much you yeah. should actually get out of it. But, but it was essentially of... a, a set amount. You could use it that per lap. Um, and then the same applying in qualifying, you couldn't just use it all the time. You had the same amount as you would during the race so yeah. on a normal lap. And that has kind of evolved now in Formula One into the when when you hear on the radio an engineer to say to a driver you can use overtake, it yeah. means that you can push the button and give you you can save up your deployment like we saw Verstappen doing actually the last race, mm-hmm. and you can release that deployment at the opportune moment. Mm-hmm. to to get past your rival and use it use it as kind of like a push to pass button so it does yeah. already exist yeah it still technically exists in doesn't it? yeah one. you just, just you just don't now. hear much about it because it's much more integrated into the the yeah. systems of the car than than say in indycar having that, that button where they only get you know there's no particular rule around it in formula one it's just part of your package yeah whereas in indy obviously they have it as a very set part of the rule system inside it indycar yeah because for the most part, on a, a standard racing lap in F1, the electrical deployment is just automated. It's yeah. not like they are choosing when to use it. But as you say, they can back off, put it into harvest mode for a lap or two. So then they've got some more saving from the battery to then launch an attack, which which is interesting. I, I, I'd love them to show more of that on the broadcast. I think I'd love yeah. to know more about what teams and drivers are doing around that stuff. You know um, who wouldn't want you to know that? <laughs> Everybody involved in the teams. Yeah, anyone <laughs> who's a team or a driver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, next one then um, from Paper, Cam- Paper Camera. No, Paper Camera, isn't it? Usually. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's my typo. I think. Paper. Sorry, Paper Camera. <laughs> Paper Camera. Do we actually know what the problem the sprint what problem the sprint races are trying to solve? The venues can't be too bothered because people are turning up anyway. The races are boring, so the viewers are not served, so they are really generating... Are they really generating that much advertising revenue? I think the advertising revenue has already been generated because people are already there watching. Yeah. So it's a valid question. I think it's a very valid question. It is. I I guess they're, they're trying to have more... They try to have more people watching across a race weekend. Ultimately, like right now, the viewing figures for practice one, two, and three are probably pretty damn low. Obviously, qualifying is very high, and the race is the highest. So, by dropping a practice session, adding a competitive session, they're trying to get more eyes on it. Yeah. Um, they, the problem, of course, is that to do that, the they're moving qualifying to a Friday when a lot of people have jobs. So less people end up, you're just moving the viewers to the sprint race instead of the qualifying session for the most part. Yeah. I think there's two angles to it. There's that. And then the other one is trying to have something that is a tiny condensed version of a normal formula one weekend to appeal to maybe somebody that doesn't have the quite quite the interest or the attention span or whatever it might be to do yeah. the whole weekend or the whole race. And they're trying to maybe lure people in with these shorter formats. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not saying that that's correct and that would work, but I think that's how 
from think and that's why they then do it because that's how they think i think also like and kind of to play devil's advocate but also like it is something that we should probably consider is the fact that a lot of people and i think you raised this one actually tom a couple of weeks ago the you people who are watching these sessions that the more meaningful sessions are not necessarily always watching them live. So if you can yep. create sessions that people will tune into after the fact, they'll go on F1 TV or, or whatever catch up TV format they've got. If they're getting more eyes on the sport than they would have, you know, no one's, no one's tuning in on F1 TV to, to, to rewatch FP one or two or three are they, but they might, tune in later to see qualifying before they watch the yeah, race live maybe. Or before or they as part of your f1 week say you say you don't get much chance to watch formula one over a race weekend what sessions are you going to watch you're probably yeah. going to if you if you if you're away for the weekend and then you come back you're probably going to stick qualifying on and then you're probably going to watch the race on catch-up right both of those yeah so if they can make it so that they've got instead of having just those two sessions that you're going to catch up on, but instead you're going to watch sprint qualifying, sprint race, then regular qualifying, then regular race. That's two more sessions that you're watching on catch up that you wouldn't necessarily watch. Yeah. So I think if, if, if there's a logic to what they're doing as whether, whether we like it or not, that for me would be the logic. I think we spent a lot of time, especially myself looking at it (laughs) as someone who watches formula one live and actually yeah. people aren't consuming the content necessarily live these days in the same way that that people have in the past i think people are much more much more willing to to watch it a little bit later and then tune into the to hot debate on twitter so later. <laughs> i guess i guess the thing that sort of puts that in perspective for you is i'm literally just looking at the viewing figures on youtube specifically for miami last weekend so you've got, you've so got these are for the highlights five. Videos, obviously, this is for, not, this is this is for the highlight videos. Yeah, so there's just highlight videos. You've got five and a half million views in total across all the practice sessions. That many people also then watch the race highlights. Four point eight million people watch the qualifying highlights. To then compare that to what did FP3 Azerbaijan on its own? FP, just... FP, oh, go on. FP three specifically was. The lowest of them all than, with one million. Less than a million. Oh, a million. Yeah, so it was a, it was a million for FP3. FP1 and 2 got just over 2 million each, which is why it's kind yeah. of averaged out at 5.5 yeah. across them all. When you look at Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. so FP1 got 1.1 million. Qualifying got 4.3. But then the sprint shootout and the sprint race got 2.5 and 3.6. Um, go on. I forgot what the word yeah. I'm looking for is, but yeah. For, for, no, for... Respectively, that's what I was yeah, looking for. Yeah. So 2.5 for the shootout, 3.6 for the actual sprint race. So you've got more views well, across you the two yeah, live sessions than you do across the three practice sessions. And there's already. probably there's probably a similar pattern to the to the to the rewatches that they have on yeah. TV as well. And so when Stefano Domenicali comes out and talks about how successful sprint races are. That's what he's, That's talking, what he's about. talking about. That he is the care, kind of metric. He doesn't care about what people yeah. say about the races themselves. Yeah. There are That's not his on. metric. That's the metric. His, his, no. yeah, his, me- his metric for whether or not it's successful isn't whether or not you like it. It's, yeah. it's whether or not 
he's made money from it. (laughs) And those numbers mean that he has. So yeah, that's, that tells you everything you need to know. I think we've answered that one really well. I've read an amazing thing on Reddit the other day talking about Stefan's Billy Carly and the kind of things he says. And it was something along the lines of never trust a judgment from someone whose job depends on what that judgment is. Yeah. And of course he's going to come out and say how brilliant all of these things are because if they're not brilliant, he's not doing his job properly. So yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Uh, so the next question. Is it me? It's me. Yes. It's, it's from you. Michelle. Who is more likely to have their seat next season, Nick or Logan? Uh, what, their own seat or... Any seat. Logan Sargent is in F2. No, Logan oh, no, Sargent. Oh, no, sorry, he's <laughs> Williams. I mean, that, sorry. that shows how good a season he's having in your yeah, eyes. Yeah, that's how he's <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably Logan. Yeah, I think it is. I think Williams are going to stick with him. It'll take a lot for Williams to turf him out after fast-tracking him through. Yeah, I think having I think, an American is a good value for Williams. Yes, yeah, great yeah. for them. And I think the difference there is as well is who's waiting in the wings. Like Red Bull generally have more people that they could put in an Alpha Tauri. Um, Williams, yeah. not so much. Yeah, that's true. Got <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, we've got next. that one. Next one. Next one, uh, Andrea Hanna says, what do you think about the quali format with the Q1 hard tyres, Q2 medium, Q3 soft? Um, I mean, it just mentions that it should be this weekend, which we've yep, said it is. Um, also, with there being rain or the fact that there could be rain, uh, would they then move this to another track if it didn't get used? I think that, that last re- bit, yes. That would require organisation. So probably so they would, but... They've already said they're going to do this at two races this season. They said the first will be Imola. They said they're going to try it another race that's not been announced. But yeah, I suspect if this one was completely washed out, they probably would do, still do two yeah. and pick another one. Um, mm. But yeah, I think we've talked about all of that quite a lot already. So Yeah, I don't think it's that Enough tyre talk. More think, than yeah, enough yeah. tyre talk. Tyres are not the most exciting thing. And plus, like, again, it's just like it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I get the motivation, but... Just this is a better way to do these things. Uh, last dead last final question for this week. Um, Ashley Foster, longtime friend of the show, says, "Hey man, which Grand Prix has the shortest name?" And I believe Tom <laughs> has the answer to that. For so, us. I, I th- if you if you're certainly answer, Tom, I think I know um, the answer. I don't. You have tell me what you what think. Is. You know the answer is, and I'll I tell you factually. First of all, great question off the back mm-hmm. of this upcoming race. I think the answer is the Swiss Grand Prix. Oh, we're talking ever or this season? The Swiss Grand Prix. I think okay. ever. No, I'm, 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 I'm naming ever. Okay, you've, you've gone way deeper on this than me. I've just <laughs> looked at this season. So the only, there's two races that don't have a sponsor as their official title, and that is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and the Grand Prix like. de Monaco. And De Monaco is oh, of course, less yeah. letters than a lot less characters. Azerbaijan. We're counting spaces. <laughs> I, and that is included counting spaces, yeah. So but the Formula I, I One think, Grand Prix de Monaco is officially the shortest one currently on the calendar. I think going back to before they had sponsors, I can't think when it was just the whatever Grand Prix, I can't yeah. think of one shorter than Swiss. But if anyone yeah, can think 
of an imp Grand Prix that had less than five letters in his name. Please Imola write in wasn't sound off Imola in the comments GP, below. was it? It was it San was Marino, a San Marino GP. Yeah. So Imola wouldn't work anymore. So there's, um, there's listeners' homework for next week. Yeah. yeah. Do your homework. Leave a comment and we will read it out. We do our best to read all the comments that we can. Yes. So um, thank you very much for joining us. If you want to submit predictions, head over to backofthegrid.com and there's all the information there about joining the Predictions League. Um, it's worth joining because there's a prize for, as Tom said earlier, there's a prize for anyone who gets five out of five. Um, so even if you haven't joined yet, it's well worth taking part um, because there will be a prize for you if you can get the full suite of correct answers. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual spots. Just search for Back of the Grid. And of course, we're on YouTube now. So please do subscribe and hit the bell, as they say on YouTube, um, to get all the information about when we post a new video. We post loads of, we're posting lots of shorts and things at the moment and doing our best to create much more video content for you guys um and yeah that is it for this week so thank you so much for joining us take care of yourselves and goodbye bye everyone bye.